y'all. Welcome to Adventures with Aggie. Today we have with us Jamie Becker and Matt Cronin. They are soccer players at Indicott College, and they are going to share their experiences as student athletes and what it's like playing soccer at Indicott, as well as how soccer has played such a pivotal and vital role in their lives. So please welcome Jamie and Matt. Hey guys, how are y'all doing? Good. Yeah, doing pretty good. Just uh, just getting through the last month of uh, quarantine before we head back to school. So it's exciting that we're getting closer to it. Yeah, it's it's coming. I can't wait to get back to the city as well. Um, cool. Well, just to start out, I would love to go through y'all's background, uh, maybe where you're from, what you do, what position you play. Um, yeah, let's start with uh, Jamie. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm from Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm a forward. Um, I'm studying marketing and communications. I go to Endicott. I'm a senior going into my final semester. Um, I actually have an internship and kind of like maybe a cultural background about me is I'm Brazilian, um, 50-50. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I got my soccer background from. Awesome. Matt? Yeah. So, um, well, I was born in uh, Waterford, Connecticut. And when I was about one, my family, uh, we followed, we were following my dad's jobs around the country for when I was really young. So I don't remember most of that, but I do remember we moved out to, uh, moved out to Colorado when I was around one and my family that was there for about six, seven years before we finally, you know, moved back to, uh, my hometown, which is now Glassbury, Connecticut. Um, you know, a little bit of background with me and, you know, just sports and athletics. Um, soccer has been like ingrained in my life since I was pretty young. My dad was, um, my dad was uh, actually a national champion at Southern Connecticut University. So he was there. They won the national championship his freshman and senior year, I believe. And then after that, he went on to play a little bit of a professional and then he capped for the U.S. international soccer team for a few years. So, you know, since the beginning, I've just been super ingrained in soccer. And that's when, even when I was out in Colorado, that's when I started playing, you know, rec, started doing that stuff, just, you know, started to getting used to, you know, the game and all that. Um, you know, a little bit about my soccer background. I can't, I come from, uh, so obviously, you know, we moved back to Connecticut. I started playing for um, my dad's old club, which was Oakwood Soccer Club. So I played there from when I was about eight years old, I believe, until, you know, up until my senior year of high school. So, you know, I did that. That was, you know, a big part of, you know, my athletic background and kind of where we came from. Uh, that brought me to Endicott where I'm playing outside back. Uh, I was a center mid my freshman year, but I ended up moving back to outside back, which I played back in um, high school and club. So, uh, yeah, that's that's just a little bit about me and where I'm, where I'm from. Cool. Let's move into maybe some of your earliest memories playing soccer. I know, Matt, you touched on this. But I think it's so fun to talk about like the first memories that y'all have like playing your sport um, and kind of how that became such a big part of your life. But um, Jamie, I don't know. Do you remember your first game, your first practice, your first cleats? I don't know. <laughs> I would say a special moment for me was um, my great grandfather in Brazil. His name is Arlindo. He played for Gremio, which is a team in Rio Grande do Sul, uh, Brazil. And he was always kind of driving and pushing. He would get me a Gremio jersey every year when we went to Brazil. He'd always talk to my dad and say, like, oh, is he playing soccer yet? Is he playing soccer yet? Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't really until he passed away when I was around five years old that I kind of – obviously, I didn't realize as a five-year-old, but that's when my dad got me more into it. And kind of from that point forward, it was kind of, okay, how can I make him proud in a way? He – 
Yeah. He always sought after getting me to play that. And I tried baseball, I tried football, and they just weren't for me. I and basketball, Matt knows I'm not the best basketball player either. <laughs> so I would say soccer was just it's always been there for me. And maybe sometimes I didn't have the field. I live um, at a dead end street. So a lot of what I did growing up was just street soccer and I'd play with my friends. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing now as well as playing in college. So that's kind of my background and where I got it from. Yeah. That's an awesome story. It gives you that little push too, you know, oh, you have your motivation, which I love. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Matt, what about you? Yeah, definitely. So probably my earliest memory of soccer was, uh, you know, back when I was in Colorado, um, I remember we had a bunch of uh, we had a bunch of close family friends in our uh, cul-de-sac we lived in um, in Boulder, and I remember one day you know me and my dad were just outside you know kicking the ball around. Um, this is when I was pretty young; I had to have been about six or seven. And a bunch of the uh, some of the neighbor kids they came over. We started playing, and eventually you know that kind of became our daily thing. We would go outside, we would kind of just you know kick the soccer ball around, and that's when I started getting really into it. And I think for me, a big driver in, you know, from my earliest memories was just being so, so competitive with it. I, I never wanted to, I never wanted to lose to those kids that, you know, weren't, <laughs> weren't into soccer the way I was. So I thought from like a young age, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be playing with these kids, I have to make sure that I'm better than them. And I have to make sure that I'm, that I'm competing with them constantly. So that was a, that was a huge part of like my earliest memories was just trying to play as much as I can. But at the same time, I also wanted to, you know, be the best one out on whatever it was in the cul-de-sac, whether it was out in the, the rec soccer field. And I can just vividly remember just kicking the ball around out there, setting up those t two small goals on the other side and just playing around, you know, just having fun like kids do. Yeah, I love that. Also, I love that you say cul-de-sac. <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like I say that and like people don't know what I'm talking about because I maybe too. I say it with a Southern accent, but I don't know. I love that. <laughs> Um, I've people look at me a little weird when I say that. I'm like, I don't know. That's just, that's just what I know. <laughs> that's so funny. I love it. Let's move into why Indicott. How did y'all end up there? I know Matt, you touched on a little bit. If you want to start, um, yeah, what's the experience been like for you? Yeah, so Endicott was honestly, it wasn't on my radar until probably my junior year. So like I touched on with that high level of club soccer that I came from, a lot of it was um a lot of the goals from that, you know, from the coaching staff, you know, trickling down to the players was, you know, how can we push these kids to the, that high level division two, that um, that division one level, you know, that's that's a big thing with these academy clubs is they want to put out and they want to market these these players that go through them as, you know, division one athletes, because that's where that, you know, that's where they get their credibility from. Um, but I did hear about Endicott actually through uh, Robbie Harton. So when there's this uh, kid in Jamie's grade right now, Will Harton, and his older brother was kind of like the pioneer, I would say, the pioneer kid from Oakwood. He was the first one to go through there, one of the first ones. And after that, you know, there was a few, there was a few more class commits from Jamie's class, the seniors, you know, the class of 2021. And I kind of started to look at it and I was like, okay, what's going on with Endicott soccer, you know? Um, because at that at that point around my junior year, I was starting to get the feel that Division One and Division Two wasn't necessarily for me, and that was because of you know the different offers that we had coming in, and they were kind of lower level Division One schools. And I came from a you know came from a winning program, so I didn't want to go from that to a program you know where sure you might get some time, but at the same time you know you're not necessarily going to be surrounded by the best guys. So after I found out about Endicott, I went up through um, I went up for my overnight visit. 
And honestly, I fell, I fell in love with the campus the first moment I got there and hats off to the coaching staff because they have a great sales pitch for the Endicott athletes coming in. They're, they're always talking about, you know, the, the percentages of the people that go there, you know, the, the <laughs> men and women split. They're talking about, you know, the athletic programs and the accolades they get. And, um, you know, I was on my, over, uh, on my overnight visit the next day. I was lucky enough that uh, Coach Cal offered me a roster spot. And he's like, you know, Matt, just get back to me, you know, whenever you want. But, you know, at that point, I pretty much made up my mind. Um, me and my dad went right to the bookstore after that. I got myself a little jacket. And, you know, two days later, I called Cal and I told him, hey, man, I think, I think this place is like a really great fit for me. I'd love to come play for your program. And after that, you know, the coaching staff, you know, the teammates, just the, you know, what they had to offer in terms of the academics just seemed like a perfect fit for me. So that's how I ended up there. I love it. I get so excited when people have the perfect fit, you know, like I hear a lot of people like transferring, like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't sure when I was going into it, but I love that you felt it. You know, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Why Endicott? That's a great question. Um, I would <laughs> say it kind of started. Um, I played for Fairfield Prep. Um, I grew up in Fairfield my whole life. And a lot of what goes around within prep is kind of the idea of legacy. So. I would say someone I looked up to, his name is Chris Montani. He was uh, just a year above me. Uh, he was the captain, all state. He had all the accolades. And it was kind of like, okay, so this is what he's doing. What's kind of next for me? And he ended up going to Endicott. Um, so I would say he probably pushed me the most. He didn't necessarily push me, but it. I would say from what offers I had, just like Matt, I didn't necessarily want to go to maybe a lower level division one and the play style didn't fit. I mean, I'm a 5'11 guy. I'm not one of those taller number nine forwards that a lot of division one programs need. Um, I'm more of just a poacher. I like to score goals and I kind of just like the flexibility that a division three program offers. It lets me kind of do my own thing as well as have that competitive edge that a lot of division one programs I don't think have that we do at Endicott. Um, and yeah, I mean, I come from a different background as Matt. Matt was uh, at an academy program. I was at a small club in Greenwich, Connecticut named Shoreline. Um, and at Shoreline, it was, I think, 80% South American kids. And as a Brazilian person, I found it like very at home. And it was very nice to have like Argentines, Uruguayans, like just a bunch of different cultures around me. And there was a player named Dario um, at Endicott as well that I met. And he came from uh, Mallorca, Spain. And he, as soon as I went for my visit, I met Dario and I was like, okay, this is, this is starting to feel a bit like home. He's, he's kind of like my club teammates. And I don't know, I just, I just felt at home with him. And uh, then I went on, I committed just like Matt the, uh, the next day after my visit and I never looked back. That's so exciting. I love it fit. That makes me so happy for y'all. And I love that. I mean, it seems to work, right? Y'all stuck around for Jamie, yeah. you're a senior now. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, let's move into, I guess, I don't know, it kind of brings the tone down a little. Um, but what were y'all doing in March? I know NYU shut down March 11th. Um, what, what was the game plan? Like what was going on? I've had some people say like, oh, we were like mid practice or mid game. And we stopped <laughs> like that was all that they could do so um what were y'all doing i guess when covid shut down everything um jamie you want to start yeah sure um i was actually studying abroad 
So, as you may know, we our fall season um, came to an end, and then I made the decision to go study in Madrid, Spain. Um, we were there for about two and a half months, I believe. I got to go see some Real Madrid games. I got to go to Amsterdam and watch an Ajax game. It was a super special time. And then um, I want to say within a week after finding out about COVID hitting the United States, uh, my mom and dad actually decided to pull me out of Spain. They were worried that I would get stuck there. And then I think almost two weeks later, um, they the United States mentioned that they were potentially closing the borders. So that was kind of like a green light. Okay, like we made the right decision here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was super hard to take uh, because I was at a point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm preparing. I'm in Madrid. I'm playing soccer at a pretty high level. We were we were playing with a lot of really cool people. I was learning a lot about the culture in Spain. I met a really a bunch of really cool people as well. And to then have start to be in the middle of like creating these great relationships to then be just pulled out of that country. It, it stunk. So, and then on top of that, I thought, okay, well, this hurts, but I'll be able to get back to work, go back to Endicott. And then I find out that Endicott um, shut down and I went home and then I spent an extended period of time at home I went back to training. I went back to all the, the normal kind of workout routines and so on. And then, uh, then I found out that we weren't going to have a fall season. So it just went from bad to worse after finding out that news. But I'm still hopeful. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll have something this spring. And if not, I do have an extra year. So that's one thing to think about. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting to ask this question, but then it always brings the mood down. Like it just kind of stinks. Like I don't hear anybody <laughs> saying like, "Oh yeah, like March 11th was great." Like no one says yeah. that. Um, but yeah. at least you're back in your routine. You're here in the U.S. and stuff. That stinks so that you packed up. I would hate to leave Spain unexpectedly. Um, oh, yeah. But it's okay. You got time. We'll bounce back. Um, <laughs> Matt, yeah, what about you? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I was going through um, right around March, um, we were going through our spring fitness session. So, you know, lots of fun going on there, just waking up <laughs> and the freezing cold, walking up to the post center at Endicott. So, you know, that was great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, March, March was, was definitely a weird time for us. Um, not only were we coming to an end in our fitness session and prepping for the actual, you know, playing season in the spring, we could go out and touch the soccer ball, you know, and that's, that's obviously, you know, what you look forward to in the spring. That's something, you know, of course you want to get back out in the field with your teammates. That's the best part. That's the best part of your day. Right. But, um, you know, then, you know, we started hearing about more and more cases come in. And I remember, you know, early March, we were just starting to see one or two cases pop across the U.S. And, you know, that's when people started to get a little skeptical. You know, that's when at the time when people were like, okay, if you have one case in the state you live in, that was a big deal. So, you know, that started to come to Massachusetts around the time that we were about to leave. So we were, we had a really unforeseen future in March. And I think that took a really big mental toll on the guys, especially because we were such a young, such a young group. I mean, Jamie's entire class, you know, kudos to them and something that I really wanted to do as well. But unfortunately this year won't work out was study abroad, but, you know, we were going through an adjustment period where it was just the freshmen and sophomores on campus that were training. So you take that into account on top of like this unforeseen future where we didn't know what was going to happen. And we were kind of in a sense, you know, lost with that leadership aspect on campus. 
And, you know, we were just trying to figure out, we were trying to navigate, you know, the near future for us. And it was tough, you know, because, you know, it was so, it was so unforeseen what was going to happen. But um, I remember we were all going through our last treadmill session on a Thursday morning with coach and he, he kind of took us aside. He ended it about 10 minutes early and was talking to us and he's like, guys, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen after we come back from spring break. I don't know if you guys are actually going to come back on time. I don't know if it's going to be delayed or what. And, you know, we kind of had to take it upon ourselves around that time to say, okay, you know, guys, let's go into it with this right mental attitude. We're going to leave and we don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, then again, you can't dwell on the what ifs and we can only focus on the next few days ahead of us. And I think that was a big thing for our team, you know, in the spring, especially with the way everything went down was, you know, kind of just focusing on the next few days. And I think that's really what helped me in a sense, you know, was just prepping for, okay, what I can't control what's going to happen in a week, but I can control what's going to happen today and tomorrow. And that's the kind of the attitude, you know, that we carried through, or at least I was carrying through, you know, even throughout this whole nine month extended <laughs> COVID, uh, <laughs> COVID lockdown. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great though, that athletes do have like that discipline and that mindset to be able mm -hmm. to do that, like control your focus, you know, like, um, lots of people don't have that. So their mindsets, like during this time, you know, everybody's talking about like, uh, mental health and all that kinds of stuff. But I think athletes, they have like the self-discipline to really control that, um, which is great to hear that y'all were kind of already thinking about that, you know, from the beginning, like, yeah, it's like how can you, everybody's been telling yeah, your me. next 24 hours, you know, like what, what can you yeah. do? Because I think a lot of the, mm -hmm. even in COVID, you know, just a little bit off topic is just people have been getting in their own heads, in my opinion, you know, people, you know, they're, they're right. kind of, they, when there's a lot of uncontrollables in the future, I think people begin to start to lose their heads a little bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, I find that if you, you know, you can break it down into little aspects of your day, even if it's just setting your schedule the night before, you know, that's usually generally pretty helpful. So. Right. The control, the controllables, you know, that's everybody's yep. favorite thing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is it? Control the controllables, uh, pivot, be flexible, you know, everybody's favorite words the last eight months. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe one day we'll be able to control other things after COVID, but um, that might take a little time. Awesome. Well, let's move into being a student athlete. Um, how do you balance your academics with your athletic schedule? I'm sure right now the situation is kind of unique because everybody's home. Um, but yeah, just what's it like being a student athlete? I am not, so I can't really relate, but, um, I know there's lots of hustle, you know, with practice and trainings and stuff on top of a full load of classes. Um, yeah. So how have you managed that the last few years? Um, Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, okay. So just a little bit about, you know, my high school years, I think that balance began pretty early for me. And the reason I say that is because um, my first couple of years of high school, I was, I was like, a, I was a really great student. I was, I was getting, you know, probably, you know, really, really great grades. And then right around the time when we, the recruitment process started, you know, for college athletics, that's kind of when I lost the control of the bounce a little bit. And that's, you know, right around that time, I think my parents played a really great ask, like really great role in helping me get back on track and just saying, listen, you know, if you focus purely on your athletics, you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve after school. 
So from that moment, I kind of knew, you know, if you're gonna, you need to set yourself up for the future, like focusing on athletics is great, right? But at the same time, you need to focus on school. And like you're saying with the balance, that that's huge because if you're focusing on one or the other, sometimes usually you're gonna crash and burn. And I've seen that, you know, whether it's just from my friends who are purely focused on their academics or even those kids that are, you know, really reaching for the stars in terms of college recruitment and trying to go to these great division one programs, you know, fantastic. But that balance really came, I really learned to hone that probably around my junior, senior year. And even so in college, college is the next level with the student athletes. You know, you have to, you have to understand that, um, well, not, not you, but everybody has to understand that college athletics, that's, you're going to that program and you're committing four years of your time to, to that athletic program. And that's not going to be an easy task whatsoever. But I found that the more that you can get done earlier in the day in terms of schooling, so I would schedule all my classes starting from freshman year, I would do my 8 a.m.s and I would have an 8, 9, 10, and sometimes an 11, depending on my course load. But after I finished that, I would go right to the library, I would do my homework, and I would open up the rest of my day, whether it was for a training day, whether it was for a game day, you know, just so I could clear my head and really just give myself that mental clarity of focusing on that athletic portion. So you know, giving as much time as you can and devoting as much time as you can to that mental side of your sport and opening up that time for the practices or games. I think that's huge because, you know, you want to take as much stress off your shoulders as possible. Because if I'm in a game and I'm thinking about my math test that I have tomorrow, or I'm thinking about that essay I have to do, you know, I'm not going to be a hundred percent, but if I can get that stuff done beforehand, then, you know, of course, we're going to be able to perform at a much higher level. Yeah, definitely. I, you, you mentioned the library and that made me think about my time at NYU. I feel like everyone in the library is an athlete because they have that like schedule, right? They're like, okay, now is the time I'm going to the library. I'm going to do my math homework or whatever you're saying. Um, I don't know. I was always there and I was like, where are like the, the other people? Like, <laughs> I know there are other people that go to NYU. Why aren't they in the library? But um, yeah, I think that's, that's great though. Like that goes back to the discipline that we were talking about before. Jamie, what about you? How is it being a student athlete? <laughs> it's... It's pretty amazing. I would say a lot of kind of my work ethic and my ability to balance things kind of comes from my parents. Um, at a young age, my mom and dad kind of instilled in me that it was a tough pill to take, but you're probably not going to be a professional soccer player if you're around a high school age kid and you're either at an academy or in one of the better clubs in the United States. And that was definitely something that kind of hit me hard, but it was also like a wake up call in that I was like, okay, now, now that I have this knowledge and I understand that maybe this isn't my future, what can I do to kind of get what I want for the future? And that kind of came from just, I was super into soccer. I'm, if you ask Matt, I'm like the most soccer obsessed person there is. I, I eat, breathe, everything I do is soccer. And I would say my balance kind of just comes from, I, I love to get that work done, but I do it so that I can give my best when I'm playing. Um, at Endicott, we're lucky enough to have a lot of great tutors. And I know the word tutor to a lot of people is like, oh, I, I feel like I'm kind of, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll just, you need help. And it's hard for some people to say like, oh, I need help. Um, and for me, that's never been an issue. I, I love everyone that's tutored me at Endicott and it's really helped me kind of get on top of things and kind of set up organized guidelines in order to kind of get what I need to get done in order to perform at my best potential. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, a lot of that is credit to not only the library, the tutors, um, but also our coach. Our coaches checks up on our grades. He he kind of he gets a lot of emails based on oh, like if you kind of didn't do too well on the test, he he shoots us over a text and he's like, "What's that about? Like, what are you doing to do better on the next one?" and that kind of stuff. And it's really nice. I think that's one thing I love about being a student athlete is you kind of have that like parental figure on you and it kind of pressures you but it also allows you to like get the best out of yourself um yeah it's a little bit more fuel to the fire jamie to go off that it adds a little bit of accountability um especially not to intrude but um the the uh sheets he sends out the end of the semester um our coach will do uh like the mls the premier league league based on you know your gpa so i think that's pretty funny yeah no i mean that that's a huge thing that you just mentioned that kind of drives you it's like oh who who can i and for matt i know as competitive as he is and a lot of the guys on the team it's like oh i want to have the highest gpa i want to be the the best on the field as well like that kind of attitude and that i think is why our program has been so successful in the past and kind of just alluding to being a student athlete the final word I would say is it's really special to represent something bigger than yourself and to put on a jersey that you always dreamed of and we're always like oh I'm, I'm gonna play and I'm gonna have a bunch of people in the stands watching me and it's kind of a super special moment every every win you get every small practice that maybe you performed really well and and you go back to your dorm and you're super proud. It's like those little spots of like extreme serotonin that you get and you're like, Oh wow, this, this is kind of the payout. Like I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the impact that you can have on a school as a student athlete is huge. Um, Somebody that, I was speaking to on the podcast said that he um, he goes to Gettysburg and his family he's had a member of his family uh, play a sport at Gettysburg for the last hundred years like wow I was like that's incredible like your family is Gettysburg <laughs> um, yeah. but that's so cool like even like y'all having the opportunity to just impact the program and the school um, that's huge and like I was also, I've spoken about this several times, just the impact that athletes have now, um, or they've always have had it, but it's become more of like a vocal thing, you know, like with all the things that have happened in last year and just in general, the athlete platform is super valuable. If it's at a school or if it's at a professional team or anything like that, um, it's huge. But anyway, that's a completely other tangent. We could go into if you want to, (laughs) we don't have to, Um, (laughs) but Anyway, let's go back to um, the team. So how have y'all been staying or in touch um, with each other during COVID? Are y'all doing Zoom workouts together? Um, what's that looking like right now? Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so we, you know, coming out of, you know, that uncertainty or going into uncertainty from back in March, um, I, I, I love I love all the guys on the team and you know that's something when I go home even right now I'm just like you know I'm itching the back of my head I'm just waiting to get back and see them so you know that was a that was a really cool thing that we did back in March as we started doing these team zoom workouts and um, you know me Jamie Steve Will Hart and those guys kind of the older more veteran guys on the team we were we were we needed a way that we could all stay in contact with each other you know in that same soccer sense you know we have our social life together and we have that aspect but you know it's really important to just stay connected as a group 
So we were doing uh, Zoom workouts twice a week. Uh, we were having various people lead and we were saying, okay, guys make like a 30 to 45 minute workout while we'll I hop on, you know, we'll, we'll shoot, we'll shoot some, shoot some banter back and forth with each other. And then we'll get into the, and we'll get into the workout aspect of it. So that, that was like a really refreshing, mentally refreshing thing that I think we all really benefited from was just getting on there and just seeing the guys, you know, and we got guys in Ohio, we got guys from Nashville, we got guys from Jamie, Brazil, even though he wasn't there, but you know what I mean? We have such a broad national and international regional program and really honestly, thank you Zoom for that opportunity because just to get on and see the guys putting in the work at the same time as you was absolutely so beneficial to everybody. And that was a way that we were really able to connect um, another way, more on the social side of it, uh, a lot of the guys were getting together on Xbox or, you know, PlayStation or whatever, and just kind of getting together at night playing, uh, whatever it was, it was FIFA, you know, back when Fortnite was a huge thing. We were just getting on and kind of just doing all our things together. And that was really awesome. You know, you have that day, that part of the day that's dedicated to, you know, growth as a team. And then you have that time at night where you can get on and kind of have a more personal connection and continue to grow those relationships, especially at such a, a long distance. And, you know, that both of those things really just boosted our team chemistry and really carried us forward. That's awesome that you all have both, you know, your workouts mm -hmm. and your uh, fun Zoom time. I know sometimes Zoom is hard to make like fun and social. Yeah. <laughs> At least y'all are, are making it work. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, shout out to Zoom. I don't know what would have happened if um, this COVID situation happened a couple hundred years ago. I don't know what, what I would be doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jamie, what about you? How are you staying connected? I would say a lot of it, um, I'm from Connecticut, obviously, um, and Maddie is also in Connecticut, but there's been a few times where I, I kind of make a trip or I go out to, uh, to Beverly or I go see someone that's super close. I'm actually planning to see one of our buddies in Ohio in a few weeks with my whole class, so that'll be fun, but it's, it's definitely super tough not to see those faces. I mean, um, at school, we before COVID, we had a, uh, a table called the surfboard. Um, and the surfboard was kind of this super special, almost symbolic, like family type of table that we would sit at for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and we'd all sit together. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, those are soccer guys. Like they're a click kind of thing. But we saw more as like, oh, this is family dinner. This is the time that we connect off of the field because on the field, you, you have your relationships playing wise. You have that center back pairing, you have the strikers and the midfielders, you have the wingers and the wing backs and so on. But it's a whole different story when you're sitting down and talking to the guys and learning about one another. And for me, it was, it was almost super weird just not to, to hear from some of those people because they're some of my best friends. So whether it was zoom or whether it was driving, three, four hours just to see someone. Um, we stayed connected and I'm super proud of not only Maddie, but a lot of the older guys to, uh, to have been able to kind of keep the team together because when our uh, class went abroad, um, I felt like a, a lot of what our coach thought and a lot of what it seemed like from our perspective is that we felt like we were kind of abandoning them. And it was kind of like a, oh, like, what are we doing? And Maddie did a great job of FaceTiming us. A lot of the other guys we shot FaceTime uh, calls out to. And we kind of just wanted to let them know that we're still here. We're, 
we're still like constantly just caring and we like genuinely care about these people. So Zoom, like you said before, has been a blessing. I mean, I don't know what I would do without being able to connect with my teammates. I feel like I'd just be in my room sitting here out on the field alone. So I'm super lucky to have Zoom. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's different. And uh, I don't want it to become the new norm. I hope it isn't. But I'm hoping we can get back to that surf, surfboard soon enough. I hope so, too. I want you all to have family dinners again. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've done some like team-ish dinners over Zoom, and it's not the same. Like I love trying to replicate it, but it's not the same. So one day um, y'all will be back at the surfboard, but oh, yeah. um, hopefully soon. Cool. So last thing, I always kind of end my shows on advice, but then we're going to jump into some quick questions at the end. Um, what is like one piece of advice you would give to young guys who are looking to play college soccer? Yeah, I have, um, I, I, I kind of was thinking about this question because I wanted to put myself in the shoes of what I wish I knew um, about college athletics, you know, when I was in high school. Um, I think, I think it's tough, you know, you're, you're putting kids in positions when they're 16, 17, 18, you know, whatever level of recruitment they are, whatever age of recruitment they are. And you're ma you're making these kids, you know, make a, a, a massive, you know, life-changing decision. And one thing that I would have said, I would have said to, you know, my, my past self was that, you know, you get one shot at these college athletics and it's insane. Everybody says the time goes by quickly, but, you know, you have no idea how fast it goes by until you're actually in the moment. You know, I feel like I could blink and I, when I was a freshman and I would be where I am today, like it, it goes by so fast, but you know, your high school years are really just prepping you for whatever level you want to play at. And at that same time, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of kids at the same age across the country who all have that one goal, you know, it's to play college athletics. And it's truly a blessing to even be in a position where you can consider it. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the time some kids get caught up in whether it's the program name, it's the value that that title holds of the school. It's it's more about sometimes for some of these kids and it's not their fault. You know, it's a lot of it's a little bit of immaturity in the sense that, you know, you might get drawn to a place where maybe you're not the best fit. But, you know, I think it's really important for these college, for these kids that are going into the college, you know, recruitment process to know that you need to focus on, you know, what unique style of play, you know, whatever sport you're doing, you know, what can you offer? How are you going to be able to hone in on your skills at that program and just, you know, make the best of the ability that you already have? Because you're not going to go to school and completely change the style you are as a player. If you're doing that, then you're at the wrong program. You know, you want to go somewhere where they take the skills that you have and fit you into that style. So I think a lot of these kids that are looking in the recruitment process, you know, you got to go somewhere that makes you, you happy. You know, you got to kind of shut out all that other noise from whether it's from parents, whether it's from club coaches, whether it's from high school coaches, you know, and do whatever makes you happy because essentially, you know, you're going to college to better yourself and better your athletic and um, academic career. And, you know, college really is such a unique opportunity just to become, you know, whoever you want and just do your own thing. So if you can fit into a program that wants you there for you, you're going to be much happier than going somewhere that, you know, you have to force yourself to fit into, whether it's athletically or academically. So I think, you know, just do what makes you happy and trust me that 
that that uh that good life will come that good life will come if you do that so <laughs> that's what i would say and you've done it right you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay great absolutely. yeah absolutely endicott endicott is i couldn't have asked for more from you know an academic and athletic program so i'm truly happy here Okay, great. I was making sure you weren't giving that advice like to yourself again, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not you mean yet. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, good. You're speaking from experience. That's good. <laughs> um, awesome. Jamie, what about you? What advice would you give to um, a younger Jamie? I would say really enjoy those those memories uh, in high school soccer. Like it's it's one thing to just play soccer with a bunch of your friends or people that you may know, but it's a whole nother thing to represent your hometown um high school soccer was super special to me um i don't think i'd give up anything to be able to kind of represent not only my hometown but kind of spend that time with those people that really mattered so much to me growing up um i'm a product of the people that were around me and i was lucky enough to have some really special people with me so that's one thing just enjoy like every goal every every minute you're on that practice field with your, uh, your high school friends or in Matt's case with your academy buddies. I mean, I grew up with a lot of my friends that were from Fairfield at prep. And I know Maddie probably from when he was eight years old, spent every day with those Oakwood guys. So it was, it was one of those feelings that it's just like, wow, this is really important. And these people are super important, but you never really get that until you're at the college level. And you're like, Oh, like, I'm starting from from zero and and I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of special people at the college level as well. So one, I would say enjoy um, enjoy high school Two, I would say pick the school for the academics first. I as hard as that is to say, it's it's something that I kind of attributed a lot of my not so much success, but I feel like I'm doing very well for myself because I did that. Um, I would say if I didn't choose um, Endicott and say I was, unfortunately with some people you are cut or maybe you don't perform to the level that you were expected to and so on. And, and I wouldn't want to end up at another school um, not having play or not playing. So with Endicott, I went, I had my visit and I was like, this is a school that if I don't end up playing, I would absolutely love my time here. Um, and that's that's for anyone really, whether it's whether it's an athlete or not. Like, really, really look hard into what school you're deciding. Don't look at the location. I know it's nice. Endicott is like, oh, there's three private beaches. It's this amazing like vacation type place, and that that did go into my decision. But it was like academics, because at the end of the day, it's it's the diploma, and it's all right. Like, did I get what I wanted out of my education? Because that's what that however much money check you're paying every year towards the institution is going towards. So yeah, pick education first. And then what comes second is just, Hey, like, is this the right fit for me athletically? Is this, is this going to be a place where I can maybe if I'm not an athlete, get a job around here, or maybe did I meet some people that I think are going to help me get to where I want to go or just make this an enjoyable process. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think everybody thinks about that. Like a very common thing. I want to play for the best team that I can, the best school that I can on the field. And I don't think people value the academic side because it's more of a long-term thinking too. Like yeah. to think about what degree am I going to get and am I going to get a job? But mm -hmm. 
lots of the 16 year olds like you were talking about matt is like they they just want to play somewhere right they want to play somewhere that's really good and really fun and like that's great too but um yeah i don't know i think the long-term thinking is really important for student athletes um but yeah great advice guys i'm sure your younger selves would appreciate it Um, (laughs) uh let's just jump into some quick ones um just to kind of get to know you a little better um i think this is everyone's favorite question i don't know if I don't think soccer is really like a superstitious sport. Maybe it is. I could be wrong. Um, but do y'all have any like pregame rituals or like things that you do before the game that like you can't not do? Yeah, absolutely. I have um, <laughs> starts out. Usually we have our games around seven o'clock, around two o'clock and my classes are done. I'll go get myself a large black iced coffee from somewhere. <laughs> um, I'll do that. And then I'll sip on that throughout the day. And before games, I'll look at our game sheets and our tactic sheets and I'll listen to uh, jazz music um, just to kind of, you know, kind of calm myself down from the game jitters that are coming up and just really kind of set myself in a focused state of mind. I think that really helps me. So those are those two are a must. Um, I have I have some other weird superstitious rituals. I do. Honestly, I had um, I draw this I had been drawing this symbol on my wrist uh when I was at club academy and um I continued that throughout college so I'll do that with a pen before every game on the same thing I'm writing down of my goals and visions on the back of the team sheets and yeah honest I think yeah I think that's it I know those those are my top three that's okay that's really interesting that you say the coffee thing though and the drawing the thing in your wrist that's I've never done that before but if it works I'm glad it works for you <laughs> but the coffee thing okay like I'm an avid coffee drinker like I'm obsessed with coffee I drink way too much of it but yes I see your Duncan <laughs> um I don't know I heard the other day or I was reading these articles and stuff on coffee and like athletes and apparently it's really good for you to drink like a cup of black coffee right before you practice or before you have a game or something because you have that little extra push i guess this is more for working out like you have that little extra energy to burn some more calories that you wouldn't burn without having that like uh caffeine rush i guess um i don't know i don't know if that's why you're doing it but it works (laughs) yeah i usually do that um especially in my outside back position and the the style of play at endicott so i'm constantly up and down the field yeah. For, for 90 minutes and that is that was not an easy task to get accustomed to myself for a year so <laughs> I started drinking the coffee my coach actually came up to me on one of the bus rides and he was like Maddie Maddie what are you what are you doing with coffee right there it's like you know that you know that shit he's like you know that shit dehydrates you I'm like coach no 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 That's not <laughs> how I pulled up an article and I was like see you drink black coffee before a game it's fine it's just as hydrating as water so yeah that's, that's kind of what I've been doing that's so weird. I just read that too. That's so crazy. But I'm glad that you're doing it. That's so fun. I just drink it because I like it. But um, oh, it's fantastic too. It tastes amazing. So definitely. <laughs> Lots of people would argue with us though. People hate the taste. Cool. Well, Jamie, what about you? Do you have any pregame rituals or um, superstitions that you do? Yeah, I would say, unlike you guys, I'm not a coffee guy. I, I don't. I think I tried coffee once my whole life, and I don't think I'll do it again. Uh, I don't know. It's just something about it. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big fan of um, like iced coffee either. I tried um, like regular coffee one time. It just wasn't for me. One we time can I change tried, that. Yeah, you definitely can change it. I mean, the only <laughs> one I've tried was a Frappuccino, I think. I don't oh. know. Anyways. Um, so yeah, not a big coffee guys. As far as super, uh, superstitions go like mad i like to listen to music i i listen to a lot of like funk and brazilian music to kind of get that like 
samba, just like relaxing kind of thing, as opposed to a lot of people like to listen to like heavy, hard rap music to get them like going. I'm like, that's when I kind of try to relax and be like, all right, like this is just another game. Just do your thing. Don't don't turn it into like a war. Make it into like as cheesy as it sounds like a dance. Like you're just enjoying it. You're doing what you love to do. Just show people what you've been doing for as long as you have. Um, and yeah, I just like Maddie as well. I actually, I put on this uh, white wristband or my left wrist and I wrote uh, my great grandfather's name on it. And I do that every game. Um, and it's kind of just like constant reminder if I'm in a game or I'm like down on myself or maybe I missed a goal or I didn't do as well as I should have. I kind of look at them. It's like, Oh, like he's with me. And not only that, but it's like, do better like this for him remember and then that's how it's always been and whether that was on my wrist or not that's how it's always been mentally for me um and yeah uh other than that as far as like game day rituals i think just writing writing that on my wrist and i'm not really into eating a lot um during games i i get kind of those nervous jitters and that's why i listen to that music uh, I go to the bathroom a few times before a game just so I'm like because I, I get I just get nervous um, and I would say like the biggest thing is to kind of find that place where that zen feeling um, as a forward it's super important to be composed in front of goal and kind of just to get the job done um, and and that's something you kind of have to like stimulate before a game you get in that mentality of like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And kind of just using that visual process of just like, if you can see it happening, you can make it happen. So that's my game day ritual, I would say. Yeah, that's great. Y'all don't do anything too crazy. I think those are good <laughs> superstitions and rituals. Um, yeah, I've heard some weird stuff, but y'all sound like you know what you're doing. So that's good. Um, <laughs> What's also, the weirdest like, one you've heard? I heard something about an orange peel once he would eat an orange before the game like before every game that he had and he would keep the peel in his pocket and like i don't know i just feel like that doesn't work <laughs> but um i don't know maybe y'all should try it let me know how it goes but yeah I, smell good on the field i guess i don't know something yeah like i don't know fun cologne or something <laughs> yes. but <laughs> yeah oh my gosh not not my thing but um I don't know. I like oranges, but I don't want to put the peel in my pocket. That just sounds like a bad idea, but um, it works for him. So we'll let it, let it happen. Um, awesome. Well, let's go with um, favorite team and favorite player, or like there was a player that you looked up to um, when you were first starting out. Jamie? I would say favorite club is Chelsea. No, mm. like no other team for me. Uh, <laughs> I've been Chelsea since like, 2009 i was fell in love with the uh drogba and elko maluda team with john terry frank lampard all those big yeah. names and that was a team that i was just like this is my team and i would say for player it's drogba whether mm -hmm. it's whether it's the way he played or just like his theatrics just the way he was he he always had a smile on his face and he kind of had that love for the game that I was like, oh, I, I want to be like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Okay. I, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I have a soft spot because they were my first like professional soccer game. 
um, I saw them play Cardiff, I think, a few years ago. And I don't know, growing up, I just never really watched soccer. Like, it wasn't my thing. Like, I told you, I played that one season. That was, like, it. It, like, scarred me for life. I couldn't do it. And, um, yeah, so I think when I studied abroad, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is fun. Like, I need to figure this out. Um, now I'm a Bayern fan. But, yeah, soft spot for Chelsea, for sure. Matt, what about you? I know you don't yeah. like Chelsea, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not huge into Chelsea, but uh, respect respect them as a team. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United supporter. Uh, so Ooh. we're looking. It's a it's a good year for us so far right now. Um, I'm enjoying the position we're in. Um, <laughs> I I honestly I I I fell in love with the man you support and you know just following them. Uh, one of my coaches actually, uh, she went through the Manchester United program as a player. Uh, before she came over and coached so that's kind of when I heard about it uh that was actually my second year of Oakwood so right around eight or nine that's when I started getting into professional soccer and kind of following following and looking at uh looking at the teams and that definitely helped being in Manchester United golden era as they call it um a little bit cliche but you know the a big part of my competitive drive as a soccer player was watching Cristiano Ronaldo and that's funny because that's I was an outside winger um when I was at Oakwood and when I was at my club team and you know just seeing the best player out there playing for you know my club was just just so rewarding just so I could turn on the tv you know and just watch him play um just his whole demeanor the way he the way he acted on the field he was a little bit emotional but you could really see the passion behind everything that he did and I definitely took on some of those traits in terms of the passion not the soccer skill because I would be I'd be playing professional if that was the case, but, no. but, um, <laughs> but he was, he was definitely the guy I looked up to. He was definitely somebody that I knew I could count on every weekend. And I just do try to copy little things that he did and little highlight videos on YouTube. That was always something I really got into and really helped me, you know, follow the game. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I he's not my favorite, but I love watching him, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's you awesome. Have to. Fantastic. Um, cool I think my last question I think you kind of answered it though Matt was is are there like certain players that you try to model your game after like I mean obviously you grew up watching Ronaldo and stuff but are there is there anybody else maybe it's even like a mentor or a coach that really like um, shaped the way you play um, yeah I don't know Matt you want to go yeah for me um, for me growing up it was it was kind of working a lot one-on-one with my father um, especially with the background that he came from and just how supportive he was, you know, in my drive to get to the next level, whenever I was doing, you know, whether it was, there was times in my career when I wasn't starting on a team and there was times when I was really down and, you know, he was always somebody that I could turn to and kind of say, you know, how, how can I improve myself? How can I, you know, get better? What aspects can I work on? And when I was little, I definitely had some issues with taking criticism from, from coaches and um, that, that's when I was really young and he kind of opened my eyes up and said, listen, they're not, they're not telling you to do stuff because, because they, they don't like you. They're doing it because they want to get you better. And if you, the day that your coaches stop telling you what to do is the day that they've given up on you. So always seek that criticism and always seek, you know, what you can do to be better because if you get complacent with that stuff, then, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get to the next level. And he, he also played outside back at a college level and the outside wing player. So he was, he was really, really beneficial to have, you know, in my back pocket, you know, him always supporting me. He coached me for a few years too. So that was really awesome to get that one-on-one personal time with him. Even at home, we would go home and I would have that, you know, 
great resource that I could just turn to if I was ever feeling down or if I needed help. So I'd always want to, you know, follow in his footsteps and kind of just learn from him as much as I could. I love that. The parents always play like a really pivotal role, I think, in a lot of college athletes' homes, you know, and lives. Uh, My dad was also, he was a softball coach for me for a little while. That was a really interesting time of my life. Um, but <laughs> it was fun, you know, like I had my dad at practice and then there was always the fun car ride home and, um, the yeah. <laughs> the car ride homes are interesting sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Some players I model my game after, at least try to, are like Ronaldo Nazario, Drogba, kind of those bigger hold up men, the guys that take the ball down play it to the wingers they get up the line and then I kind of just finishing touch um and a lot of my like progression as a kid comes from uh, my first club team which was Everton America um I played for them in Norwalk for I want to say almost seven years um right before I got into high school and um it was it was a really weird time because I had grown up when I was younger being in Brazil and I was like oh this is the best like everyone here is better than everyone in the whole world like the whole idea of five world cups Brazil 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 was like always in my mind and the mentality I kind of looked for and then as I got to to kind of that first club team I was like oh okay like other countries are good at soccer too and that's kind of when I was introduced to like the Premier League and from that point forward, I kind of never looked back. I was like, oh, the Premier League is something that I'm in love with. And I watched the games from that point all the way up until now. And a lot of the coaches and influences um, on that team were all Brits. And they all came from Liverpool or Manchester. And they came from there directly to the United States and were coaching groups of 20 to 30 young American kids. And to me, it was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I have a coach straight from Liverpool who is coaching me at a club that is named after a Premier League club Everton and it was so cool to me because um, Everton every year took five kids from our U.S. program up to Finch Farm um, in Liverpool at the uh, Everton training ground and they got that opportunity and I'll never forget I was I was three people away I was in the top 10 Um, from getting that experience Um, and I think that experience was one that I was so upset to miss out on but it was also like you're this close like you're 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 right there and it motivated me a lot because it was like it was hard to take but it was also like hey like this is something you're you should continue to pursue and you're you're pretty good at it so I kind of took that and I ran with it and then I I stopped playing sports once I got to uh, Everton as well. Like everything else was just secondary. I mean, my, my school and soccer were all that mattered to me from that point forward. That's, I think that's really cool how both of y'all like started such a young age, you know? Um, And it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm doing this for fun. Like it was when I played my one season, it was like, I'm doing this and I really like it, (laughs) Um, which obviously helps. And that's why y'all are where you are today, which is awesome. I'm so excited for y'all, but um. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. This was great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving me some of your time. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to put it out there. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I really like doing this. So really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Aggie. Uh, 
it was awesome to like not only talk about things with you and kind of get to hear a bit more about Maddie because some of these things I didn't even know and I've been with him for the last four years so yeah. that was super cool and I kind of love just hearing about you and what's going on with you too so thank you awesome yeah thanks guys Well, that was a super fun chat with Jamie and Matt. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and having a little bit of fun getting to know you a little bit better on our show. But next, we have three members of the Gettysburg College wrestling team. We have Thomas, Jed, and Jake, and they're going to share their stories on Monday at 10 a.m. So stay tuned.